0: Welcome back to Rapture Ready Radio, Tonight Matters, Matt Buff and Jim Fletcher with you tonight And uh, we've had a great first hour so far and we're just going to keep rolling along here From Lamb and Lion Ministries, we have Nathan Jones with us, he's the web minister over there And uh, we were just talking in uh, the private chat there and he's just an all around great guy So welcome to the show Nathan, it's good to have you back on you know what? It would help if I actually unmuted your microphone. There you go. You're you should be in now. There you go.
1: Okay. I was just saying thank you for the kind compliment.
0: No problem, uh, Jim. What were you saying? Something bad?
2: No, actually, I didn't come in <laughs> at all, so that was good. <laughs> uh, Jim,
0: Jim, and I have become a better friends over the last few months, and, and so we can razz each other a little bit. So we have a. We have a lot to get to, Nathan, and uh, we want to talk first about an article you placed on uh, the Lamb Lion website. And people can visit this by going to lamblion.org, and then you can click on the articles. And this one in particular that we wanted to talk about tonight is God in a Box. And this goes a lot into what we were thinking, but first tell us the premise of this article and uh, what we can take from it.
1: Sure, sure. Um, it's lambline.com and our blog is lamblion.us. We've never been able to get the right, the lamblion.org, which takes you to some New Age Guru site, and uh, .net, which is also like some hotel. So <laughs> it's uh, lamblion.com, or you can find this article on lamblion.us. Uh, but um, I, as uh, one of the evangelists at Lamb and Lion Ministries, my responsibilities include answering a lot of the questions that come into the ministry every day. And we get some quite some doozies, and... I appreciate Dr. Reagan uh, getting on our TV show, Christ and Prophecy, and telling people to, as he says, send in the zingers, which he usually does. So sometimes I'm appreciative of that, sometimes I'm not. But uh, this particular article was based on a, a gentleman who wrote in from Florida who really disagreed with us about we, we're taking a, a strong stance on a young earth. We believe that if you can't believe the first part of the Bible, Genesis, then you're not going to believe the last part of the Bible, Revelation, and then pretty soon the whole Bible falls apart. So we take a strong stand on the literal six days creation, and we take a strong stand that Revelation is telling us that Jesus will return one day. So this gentleman did not agree with us. We had a guest on our show, uh, Dr. Joe Martin, of uh, Biblical Discipleship Ministries, and he was a great guest, very full of knowledge. He was a evolutionist-turned-creationist by studying nature. He looked at... Uh, uh, the complexity of creation, and so we had him on air, and he was talking about a young Earth being about, you know, six thousand years old, and this guy just disagreed with him. And this article came out of my uh, responses to a few of the
2: questions he had. Well, I- I'd like to say at the outset of this conversation that I unequivocally appreciate uh, you taking this stance. I really do. Uh, I-, I think this is uh, really encouraging. Um, uh especially that a prophecy ministry if i could categorize lame line that way is is taking a stance on origins issues i think is really important and frankly um a, a lot of my friends in the creationist community uh the other side of the coin don't uh don't go toward prophecy they don't teach prophecy um and i find that uh that both camps sort of stay with with their core message but but i think that what you're doing uh, and, I'm, and I'm glad you had Dr. Martin on. Is is presenting a a whole Bible approach, and and I think it's uh, I think it's the the approach that makes most sense, uh, especially to young people, uh, when you can present the message to them. I, I mean, wouldn't you agree? Isn't that what you find when you when you're out and about speaking?
1: Oh, definitely. Uh, you know, we can teach Bible prophecy. You know, to her blue in the face. But if people don't believe the Bible, then you know why would they listen to us about Bible prophecy? And the latest statistics for the millennial generation, that's the generation 18 to 29 right now, is that 25% of them believe uh, in no religion whatsoever, making them the most unchurched generation in American history. So you have to go to the basics. You have to teach them why we take the Bible seriously as God's word, and then build from that foundation. So. You know, back in the day, the the ministry was started in 1980, and and Dr. Reagan used to preach pure Bible prophecy for many years, and and that's a great thing. But as the audience got younger and younger, they had less of an association and less of a connection with the Bible being the inerrant Word of God. So we've had to kind of start over, and the best place to start is Genesis 1 1 in the beginning. So uh, a lot of our ministry, of course, you know, that is our primary purpose to proclaim the soon return of Jesus Christ but we have to also have a strong apologetics element into it because one of the signs of the end times is an increase in apostasy. And so we have to set the record straight about what the Bible says about a lot of those apostasies that are going on in the church today.
0: Well, that's that's something that we do weekly on this program. And Amen. Something we have to do because, and, and that's why we have people like Jackie Alnor and Jim Fletcher and Chris Quintana and, and the others that, you know, make sure that people realize just because you hear it doesn't make it true. We just talked about this in the previous segment, how people are getting together in the elephant room, talking about reading straight from the Bible, yet accepting people with different views. And how can you have a foundation like that and expect to grow into a really good life-changing ministry?
1: Oh, amen. I mean, we got Joel Osteen saying that Mormonism is Christianity. You know, we've got uh, we've had a lot of interests course, with uh, Romney running for president, we had uh, James Walker from Watchman Fellowship on our show, and he was a Mormon. He was a fourth-generation Mormon, and he got saved once he really got into the Bible, and and he started understanding that Mormonism there is no parallel to Christianity whatsoever. They have a different Jesus, a different God, a different afterlife, and so you have to help people understand that that truth isn't whatever you want it to be. There is such a thing as real truth. You know, if I drop this phone on the ground. I can be 100% sure it's going to fall on the ground. There is truth in gravity, and there is truth in God's Word, the Bible, and we have to help people discern that uh, as we teach them about the glorious hope they have in Jesus' soon return.
2: Well, you know, uh, picking up on this theme of uh, uh, you know tying uh, all of it together in Scripture, I... I'm actually reading a book by Oswald Alice called The Unity of Isaiah and Alice was a, a scholar at Princeton and in, in Westminster many years ago and, and I know he would have had issues with dispensationalism, wouldn't have you know believed exactly as we do, but he affirmed uh you know the the, the validity of predictive predicted prophecy in the Bible and, and he made a statement. I want to read this quote really quick because he was talking about already the apostasy and heresy that had crept into the church and he was talking specifically about uh, the denial of prophecy, uh, in, first in seminaries and then in the, the pulpits around the country. And he said, Is it any wonder that they are tempted to leave Isaiah and many other parts of the Bible severely alone? Is it any wonder that Bible study is not on the increase but decidedly on the decrease in many circles in the Christian church? Now, he wrote that 60 years ago. Wow. Uh, and. and and I I'm just amazed that uh, the the liberal influence in the church. Um, but, but Nathan, I wanted to ask you a question. Don't you uh, or or what do you find as you're dialoguing with people and speaking uh, in in times like this that are so uncertain and so scary for so many people? Uh, what kind of feedback are you getting out there about? the Bible prophecy message? Are people enthusiastic? Are they are they not? Uh, what, what's going on with that?
1: Well, it, you know, as the church kind of snoozes about Bible prophecy and gets uh, more and more scared to teach it, uh, we're seeing the secular world more and more interested in it. I mean, we've had movies like uh, 2012, and, uh, you know, uh, we've got the end of the world, and we've got, uh, thank goodness, The Left Behind series really brought Bible prophecy to a lot of secular readers who had never considered it. So there's, I think, more so than ever, more of an interest in Bible prophecy, maybe not from the church itself, but from unbelievers. And so we're finding that prophecy being a gift for believers is attracting unbelievers to the Bible. Now, of course, we have to establish the Bible as God's word to them. But uh, I, people are, are really starting to take notice, and you guys probably can concur with your ministry, is that the more, especially for us, at least the more natural disasters that happen, the more people say, hey, wait, something's going on. They're taking notice, and they're checking out our ministry. And it's a strange kind of thing that, you know, while a lot of ministries are hurting in this current economic environment, our these Bible prophecy ministries like ours, we're getting more and more interest in our message because people are starting to take notice, the signs are starting to make sense, and they're getting scared. You know, especially with the economics and the uh, wars and rumors of wars that Jesus said Matthew twenty four would be coming. So, I would I would say that the interest in Bible prophecy, especially amongst unbelievers, is increasing exponentially.
0: It really is. It's it's become a big interest, and we actually had a big. Uh, fallout from the Harold Camping ordeal, and people oh, were yes. asking people were asking us questions. And then now we have 2012, and FX is playing that horrible movie every single night. I wonder if they're going to play it every night. It's kind of like a Christmas story. It's always on on FX <laughs> with uh, John Q said I love
1: about uh, <laughs> uh, Solomon in Ecclesiastes uh, three eleven, uh, he talks about God that God has set eternity in the human heart. So mankind, no matter if you're the best believer or the staunchest atheist, there's something inside you that tells you that God's put in us, that there's eternity in our hearts. So people look for the future, whether they deny it like atheists or they embrace it but they've been giving the wrong information like Hinduism and Buddhism and all that. We have had God put eternity in our hearts. And so I think people are starting to respond to that. They're starting to see that. Now, yeah, there's some guys really messing it up like Harold Camping. You know, there's a lot of nuts and there's a lot of confusion. And that, to me, just tells me that Satan knows his time is short. And he's trying as hard as he can to scramble the airwaves of the gospel
2: message to confuse as many people as he can. Not the well, of times. He, he, he certainly is. And, and you know, I, I think that uh, what we're seeing today, especially in our country, is a slippage in people's discernment. I mean, whether it's people in the church uh, or it's people... Uh, you know, in, in the political realm or, or what have you, and and it's really because I think they lack uh, a biblical worldview. Um, what what are some of the things that Lamb and Lion is doing now to uh, to bring resources to people? What are some of the initiatives that you guys are involved with?
1: I'm, I'm glad you asked. Uh, just this uh, last week, we launched our newest initiative called Bible Prophecy Insights. There are one-minute videos. Uh, we had a we teamed up with a former Disney animator Who just loves the Lord He started; he didn't want to work in the secular world anymore He wanted to help uh, Christian uh, ministries And he's a fantastic computer animator And what we do is we give them One minute of a Bible prophecy fact With lots of computer animation uh, High tech looking And it just attracts a different audience, and so we've got them going out on YouTube and uh, GodTube and Vimeo and our website and newsletters and referrals, and we're hoping it goes viral, but these, uh, we've got three of them so far in the series, and what we're trying to do is is reach people who don't really think about it. They're not going to spend more than a minute or two looking at it. It hits them with a fact about the Bible, and then it brings them back to our website at lamline.com to give them more information. So that is our, our newest initiative, and I welcome you all to check it out at lamline.com. Just check out our homepage; it says Bible Prophecy Insights, and you can see the first in that series. Uh, of course, you know everything that I do is, is to reach out to the two billion plus people on the internet with the good news of Jesus Christ, and so that's what my purpose at Lamline is. And I utilize every kind of social network and uh, chat room and you name it to to try to get that gospel out there. Uh, Lamb & Lion Ministries also has uh, Christ in Prophecy. It's been our television show. It's its 10th year this year. And uh, we can reach almost every country in the world with it over our five stations, which was neat. I was in Israel once and I was watching Christ in Prophecy at Israel. It was just, that was just too cool. Uh, But of course we have a lot of periodicals. Uh, Dr. Reagan has written uh, I believe 10 or 11 books now. We have our uh, Lamplighter magazine that goes out and we get people all the time say, hey, I was sitting in the doctor's office, and the doctor had it sitting there, and you know I started reading it, and wow, I want to know the Lord. So it's, uh, the Lord has really blessed us with a lot of opportunities and a lot of people that came along. We call them our prophecy partners that come along and support our ministry and encourage us and pray for us, and, and we're a team that gets out there and shares the gospel message. And the only thing we haven't done, and, and Dr. Reagan did for 20 years, but we don't do anymore, is radio. So thank the Lord for Rapture Ready Radio.
0: Oh nobody usually says that. Thank you. The uh for the listeners that are on our website right now listening in on rapturereadyradio.com the correct link to Lamb Lion is on the front page so you can go there straight from there. Um question from the chat room for you real quick. What was again the name of that 1 minute video you were talking about?
1: Uh Bible Prophecy Insights. Just go to our homepage. Uh it's right on the homepage there. It's like the fifth item down. And you can see the first in that series, what we try to do is the first three is cover the three main parts of our message for the ministry. First, we establish that Bible prophecy is accurate. The second one, we co- uh, cover the signs of the times. And the third one, we cover the rapture. And the second and third one haven't been released yet, but they will be in the next month or two. And so those are kind of our three messages. We've also made a message, a, a kind of our own left-behind message called Jesus Came, What's Next? It's 15 minutes, and explains to those left behind about uh, what happened, you know, after the rapture, and we put that all over the internet and use keywords with it, so people want to know, yeah, what happened to all those people? They can look it up and, and get the gospel message there, and that's even been effective, praise the Lord, with people before the rapture, right? We had this one guy call in, he was kind of upset, and he says, I am the leader of a coven, and I have been my family's been in a coven for four generations and we finished a meeting and we went home just to kick back and watch a Harry Potter movie and someone I don't know who put that DVD uh, Jesus came what next my DVD player who put that there and he he was starting to relate to me about how he he had never known love growing up and how there was lots of love of Jesus Christ shining through it And it was a wild thing he was definitely fighting his demons and and after a few calls back and forth uh, our finance minister finally led him to the Lord and wow what a change that guy had i he unfortunately had to run for his life because the rest of the coven was after him but once he made out now he can't stop preaching about jesus christ it's a total transformation of his life so it's just wonderful when you hear stories like that 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 you know the lord can use what we do and amplify it better than we could ever do it
0: jim i saw the uh video that he's talking about for those left behind it was fantastic And, you know, that's something we might have to put on the site because it is really a good viewing video for people now that are still here. But what a great message that's going to be for people left behind. I really enjoyed that, and I wanted to give you credit because that is just an amazing video.
2: Well, the credit's the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, I'd I'd like to just for a minute go back to to something we were talking about before because I I find it so foundational, uh, you know, this this issue of origins as you – Said earlier, Nathan, you you really lay the groundwork for prophecy teaching by by teaching foundational stuff. And what what is your sense of uh, you know I guess what I'll call the young earth view, which I, I don't mind saying is my view. Uh, wh- what is the the reaction? Um, do you, I mean, do you find that that view is is widely accepted or not?
1: No, no. A lot of people are really confused about. Evolution. I mean, they're convinced that if so many scientists agree, then, well, the Bible must be wrong. And I remember as a teenager, you know, just really struggling with that. You know, how can all these scientists be saying, you know, the earth is millions of years old? And what the purpose of that is, is, you find, is it undermines the faith in Genesis. And if you can't believe Genesis, well, then the rest of the Bible must be screwed up. And so it's a beautiful tactic, I hate to say, by Satan. It's so effective, and we've lost so many young baby Christians to Satan because of them attacking the young earth view. So we find it very important to get into the Bible and, and really teach creation. I, I really appreciate you know, uh, uh, Ken Ham's group and Eric Hovind and Joe Martin and all these guys out there who are, are bringing the faith of people back. And i got to say, especially Dr. Martin is a good friend of our ministries, and I have three elementary age kids, and I tell you, they will not have any trouble when evolution is starting to be taught to them because we have gone through Dr. Martin's, videos incredible creatures and and they are just amazingly they shows how simple that nature is so complex that it must have had a creator and it's just it's an idea a child can latch on to so easily but that we overconfuse when we get to the college years so I, I agree with you jim it is so important to establish the bible as the foundational word of god
2: without error otherwise we have no foundation for our faith and and by the way uh it was uh, Henry Morris at the Institute for Creation Research who really uh, brought back the uh I guess what I'd call the modern revival of the creationist movement but Henry was also uh, very solid on prophecy as well um you know yes. his his book uh, his commentary on revelation uh, is is really as significant as his commentary on Genesis so really appreciate uh his legacy and and i'm really glad to uh... to see that since he passed a few years ago that uh... that uh... you know fellows like you're are carrying that torch I, I really think this is a very important issue and uh... just really applaud lamb and lion for uh... you know really being out there and 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 making the effort to bring these things i i watched this uh... one minute video as well on prophecy it's just, it's just utterly fantastic
1: Oh, praise the lord yeah, Dr. Morris was a friend of Dr. Reagan's, and they had a long-term friendship. And we even had um, Dr. Morris's son, who's continued the ministry, at our conference last year. So, yes. uh, And you'll find, too, that our current lamplighter is called Our Young Earth. So Dr. Reagan strongly feels important to that. And, and we have gotten criticized by some people who wish we'd just get back to pure 100% Bible prophecy. Uh, but I think overwhelmingly most of the people support the fact that we have to step back you know establish the Bible as God's Word, and then build from there and I totally agree with you Jim
2: well, you know what you you made a critical point a few minutes ago though when you said that without that foundational teaching, you really can't hope that that the Bible prophecy message will stick with people and and so again i, I totally uh totally in agreement with you there
1: well, when you read some of these books like by Barna and all those. And they talk about how we are losing the faith of our children. And I've been to many churches, and one in particular that I was a member with for many years, and still, still am, is that uh, the pastor started going to mercy. And, you know, there's that word where they kind of give up on the Bible, they go with more of an experiential relationship with the Lord, and everything falls away. And the whole dynamic of the church shifted not to Bible study, but to missions. It was going to be a missional church. And I have a, a, a minor in mission, so I have a heart for missions too. But by going to missions, they were so excited about going out that they weren't equipping them. So we had all these missionaries going out and doing all these wonderful things. But when it came time to sharing their faith with the, you know, they spent all this money and time and energy to get to the field. They couldn't answer the basic questions about why they believed what they believed. And we have a new pastor now. We were real close to leaving until he came. He got us back in the Bible study. You know, you've got to understand the Bible. You've got to understand your faith and answer the hard questions before you go out there and share with others. Now, that shouldn't be an excuse that we fill our heads so much that we're about to explode and we never get out there. We're supposed to go out there, but you can't send babes in the faith out there to share the gospel without at least giving them the tools they need to be able to explain why they believe what they believe.
0: Well, you couldn't be more right, and we are on the air right now. From Lamb & Lion Ministries, Nathan Jones, he's the web minister over there. Nathan, we have one question from chat for you. Are you guys doing a tour to Israel this year? And also tell us about some upcoming conferences that you guys might have. Oh,
1: certainly. Um, we are doing one this year. Uh, as many of you know, Dr. Reagan had a knee replaced, and it's a long road to heal. And uh, it's going to be, if you go to our website, and right on the home page, we have a button you can push Israel Tours 2012 and we're going to have a good one our one of our media ministers is going to accompany Dr Reagan but it's kind of up in the air right now about uh, whether he's going to be able to do that his passion i tell you the man needs to live and move <laughs> to israel he's been there 45 times i believe I and mean, he absolutely loves israel he has such a passion for israel but his his health might might delay it we're not sure yet and a lot of people are worried about what's going on in israel right now it looks very close to israel's uh, going to have to do something in iran and attack them Obviously, you know, you know, we've got warships over there, so a lot of people are kind of hesitant about planning, but, uh, you know, we're still going to go through with it. So, yes, we have a trip planned. I believe it's uh, April. And then we also have, uh, we're shooting for one in, uh, like, later, near October, November, uh, but it will depend on, on getting all that information together. Our big annual conference is in June, the very uh, last weekend of June, and it's about Israel. And so we've brought a lot of people like Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum, and uh, Jeff Seif and and others to come and speak about Israel and Bible prophecy. We're holding that here in Dallas. It it goes two days, and we have a banquet afterwards. And I welcome anyone to come, and it's uh, free, and uh, the banquet has a little bit of a fee. But uh, you can sign up online, and we just welcome everybody to come to our, our conference
0: in June. Maybe one of these times we can set up a broadcast down there.
1: I wish you would. I would be more than happy and we've been a lot of people talking about, you know, I live in Paris or I live in South Africa. I can't come. Well, obviously, can you do some teleconferencing, you know, and get that out there? And so we've been kicking around around that idea. There's some logistics that would have to be worked out. But I would love if you guys wanted to come and broadcast from there. That would be wonderful.
0: Yeah, Jim, you're not too far from Dallas.
2: No, not too far. A a real short plane ride. A little bit of a car <laughs> ride. But uh any any excuse to get down there and uh, visit with uh Doctor Reagan and and Nathan would be great with me.
1: Well, you guys propose it. My official job at these conferences is schmoozers,
0: so <laughs>
1: around schmoozing. So I have plenty of time to help you with any radio broadcast you might want
0: to do <laughs> That would be do great. <laughs> we, yeah, we're good schmoozers, too, so oh, we, okay, can, that's we can good. definitely help out with that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, uh, we have an, another question, and then I want to get into some of the Muslim Brotherhood with you. We have a, a very confused government here and a very confused media about what the Muslim Brotherhood is. And we'll get into what Hillary Clinton said, which is just completely ignorant of the facts. But first is, um, what are the top five or seven questions that every Christian should know? We've talked a lot tonight about, we we can start here at Prophecy, and we can go over here to politics, and we can go over here to the Apostate Church, but the foundation of biblical knowledge is key. So where should a Christian start, and what five or seven questions should they know?
1: I would say a Christian needs to start with the book of John. Everybody who's coming to know faith in the Lord, and when I was a decision counselor back up at Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, uh, it's read the book of John, understanding who Jesus is. The purpose why we were created, which is, you know, to good do works, which God prepared in advance for us to do, Ephesians 2.10, is why we're on earth. But our real pur- the purpose of human history is to get us back in that right relationship with God. Back in the Garden of Eden, God talked with Adam and Eve. He walked with them. He had fellowship with them. There was nothing between them. But when sin entered the world, that relationship was broken. And all of human history is getting us back to that point where those who choose God will live with eternity through him, and we will walk with him and talk with him and have fellowship with him again. So knowing who Jesus is is the most important thing, I would say, about it. our you can do the religiosity, that that's something, but it's relationship with Jesus that counts. So I would start with the book of John. Uh who is Jesus Christ? That would be probably the the most important question I, I could think of. Um uh, what is God's plan for me? How do I get saved? Uh is there a heaven? Um Am I a sinner? You know, all the foundational questions that, about salvation, those are the important ones I'd start, and including, can I trust the Bible for my faith in God?
0: Amen. That is exactly right on. And, and Jim, I would agree with that, too, as, as would you, I'm sure. Um, we have so many times where people aren't even sure about heaven and how to explain that, you know, Jim?
2: Well, I, yes, uh, I do agree with both of you. In fact, I, I was thinking of, uh, you know, when I was growing up in the youth group, uh, in the Bible Belt, uh, to be perfectly honest, uh, in hindsight, I didn't know uh, really much about our own denomination. Uh really didn't know a lot about the faith, and uh, so I think it's critical to, to really ground people in these questions and answers.
1: Yeah, you got to know why you believe. Otherwise, what are you doing? There, there's no goal. There's no target. there's, and, and I find a lot of these kids here, you know, a lot of good about do good works and go out there and, and uh, you know, make a difference, paint a house, uh, feed the poor, and, and that's all stuff that Jesus told us to do. But if they don't know why they're doing it and for what the purpose is and what the objective is in life, with that, out, that the eternal perspective, then we roam around aimlessly like we don't know what we're doing. A football team knows what it needs to do. It needs to reach the end zone. And as Christians, we reach the end zone by reaching people for Christ. But we have to know the plays, and we have to know how to get down and to work as a team to get there. And that means starting with the playbook, which is the Bible.
0: Well, it's funny you say that that way because it's absolutely true when you talk about the playbook. If you want to be in the NFL and you you get drafted by a team, the first thing you have to learn is the playbook. That is before anything else. If you, do, if you go to a new job in sales or whatever, you have to read the manual and the sales training. It's the same thing with being a Christian. When, you're, when you have your daily walk with Christ, I enjoy my mornings when I can sit down there and read a chapter out of, the, out of where I'm at You know, leading through the New Testament right now. That is a really good start to the day. And we joke around and have a lot of fun, but it's because of that basis and truth that we have our playbook as Christians. It's very important.
1: Amen. So true. So true.
0: So l- let's move over. Um, we just got a few minutes left with you here. Let's move over to um, some other people that use a playbook, and that would be the Muslim Brotherhood. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> and
1: they're a very well-organized, very ambitious, goal-oriented team.
0: They certainly are, and they are getting things done, be it to the detriment of people who uh, have uh, friends in Israel or friends in the United States. But Hillary Clinton says otherwise. She says, we believe, given the changing political landscape in Egypt that is in the interest of the United States to engage with all parties that are peaceful and committed to nonviolence, that intend to compete for the parliament and the presidency. And we welcome, therefore, dialogue with those Muslim Brotherhood members who wish to talk to us. But she just said she wants to talk to people that are about peace and nonviolence. She can't be talking about the Muslim Brotherhood.
1: She has a very good grasp of history and how Islam came to conquer the world. You think about the church that Paul and other apostles roamed around in in present-day Turkey... And how vibrant it was until Islam came. And within one generation, they had slaughtered every Christian. They had Christians living in, in underground for decades, hiding from Islam because either you convert or you die. There's nothing about it that's a religion of peace. And you know, God bless George W. Bush, but I think that was the biggest mistake of his whole presidency is when he got up there and said it's a religion of peace. We're fighting terror. We're terrorists. We're not fighting a war. But I love what Newt Gingrich said and i 'm not supporting any particular candidate here, but he was asked gotten real hot water with the uh, Council on American Islamic relations, and they think that he 's against Islam and he 's a bigot, but he really kind of has an understanding of Sharia law, and one of the things he pointed to was that by Islam Turkey is not as secular Islamic as they say it anymore there 's a fourteen hundred percent increase in women being killed as Sharia law comes in and takes over, and that's that 's that 7th uh, century Islamic law living just by the Koran. And he said this. He said, I think the time has come for us to have an honest conversation about Islamic radicalism. I don't think sh- we should be intimidated by our political elites, and I don't think we should be intimidated by universities who have been accepting money, this is why they support them, from the Saudis, and who therefore now have people who are apologists for the very people who want to kill us. And he, he makes this point. This is not a war on terrorism, because terrorism is an activity. This is a struggle with radical Islamists and both their militant... And their stealth forms And one of the things he's suggesting That he wants to do a federal law Where he he bans Sharia as a replacement for American law He understands that Islam Isn't just a religion Isn't it interesting that people who have no religion Just kind of assume that all religions are the same And they all have the same goals of being Peaceful and loving It's not true, it's an ideology And it's an ideology that that You can only follow Allah if you conquer And conquest, that's the reality of it And sadly we've got this hippie generation, you know, no offense Jim but you got this hippie generation who's come in and they, they think that, you know, we can all sing Kumbaya and if we talk them enough you know, they'll eventually bow to our to views, you know walk it along, but that's not the case the, the Muslims are very determined especially if you think of uh, President uh, Ahmadinejad in Iran his sole purpose is to bring about the 12th Amman, this kid who supposedly fell in the well in the 12th century and will come back and help lead the Islam to rule the world Particularly the Shiites And so you've got this ideology That means world conquest And we cannot kowtow it And apologize for it all Without it taking over And wonderful examples of that Is in Europe Where they're having tremendous problems Both in England uh, I'm sure you guys are familiar with Geert Wilder and and his uh, fitna And all these videos that show That Islam is taking over Because we've had this passive view This kind of a, this Star Trek, the next generation view that we embrace all cultures and all civilizations, even the ones that are trying to kill us. And you know what? We deserve to die if that's the way we're going to look at things because we're too stupid to realize that we have an enemy.
2: Well, and, and you know, look at the contrast between a Gingrich and, and a Ron Paul, uh, a Barack Obama in, in the way they, they look at this, and then Hillary Clinton – you know as our secretary of state and here she is uh you know presenting the most naive view of the Muslim Brotherhood i noticed in that cnn article about uh her her announcement that the us would be willing to engage in dialogue with the brotherhood the the brotherhood spokesman in egypt reacted with a typically arrogant aggressive uh, uh counterstatement in which he started off by saying that the U.S. has supported dictators. The U.S. is the most hated country in the Middle East, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, the more you attempt to reach out to these people, the more in your face they are. And, and I think it really speaks to a complete breakdown of discernment among our political leaders, uh, very few of whom have a biblical worldview at all. And I think that's the key in why they don't recognize the threat and the danger. Yeah, it's
1: it's that weird liberal view that that happened actually if you think about it before World War II. You know, we when you when you want to embrace your enemy and you think that they can only do good that they're not have a sin nature, and that's the part with this liberal view is that that they believe that all people are inherently good and therefore they can be reasoned with and they can come to Uh, decision to do the right thing but the bible teaches that people are inherently evil and when given the chance with power or money they will take advantage of it and hurt other people and that's where the world really works so you know (laughs) uh, president obama and uh, hillary clinton god bless them they have this, this view that just is not connected to the real world and like neville chamberlain back before world war ii open arms to Hitler, and he came in and he started conquering all of Europe. And as long as we have this open arms to an ideology that means on world conquest and oppressive Sharia law, then we will be conquered because they don't want to be friends. They want to be conquerors.
0: They do, and I I want to read this quote because it's just, Insane. Um, This is a member of the Muslim Brotherhood that says the U.S. administration has supported dictators for decades and authorized torture, repression, and colonization. The U.S. is hated in the Middle East region more than any other country, according to polls published in the U.S. If the U.S. is serious in opening a dialogue, they must first respect the people's choice for a true democracy, independence, and respect their choice of leaders. We would m- welcome the open dialogue if they are serious and transparent. He does not work for Barack Obama, but it sounds very similar.
1: It, it's Of course they hate us, because we keep stopping them from trying to conquer the world. They should hate us. and. But uh, if you want an example of what Islam truly looks like, is going to Nigeria. If you uh, follow the news in Nigeria, and, and our ministry particularly supports a, a missionary, a native missionary in Nigeria, the life for Christians in one of the what should be the most Christianized nation in all of Africa, the Christians are being slaughtered. Uh, one of our missionaries there, he was preaching in his church, and a gang of this group, they're called Boko Haram. It's an Islamic radical group that came in. They shot up his entire church. He and his family fled. They had, you know, they had bullet holes. They were wounded. The police finally stepped in. Their president is uh, good luck, Jonathan. Is just, He's supposed to be a Christian, but he's doing nothing about it. And uh, the military just dropped him on the side of the road. Another time, the same group came in and burned down their entire village. And didn't just burn it down. They hacked him to death with machetes. And this is a life that this guy is living as a Christian to bring the gospel. That is supposed to be the religion of peace. It is not. No example has Islam ever showed itself to be the religion of peace. Now, there is a side that believes in world conquest through peaceful means, through gradually growing and growing into a society by being more um, Accepted, but eventually they too, in all the examples of Islam's taken over, will eventually change the laws to Sharia law, and you still got the same result: a nation that's conquered for Allah. And that's how that's how Muhammad set up the religion. He set it up to be a conquering religion that takes over the world for Allah. And I've read the Quran and I've uh, studied Islam, and when you read about it, and I gotta say, the description of Allah has to be the description of Satan. Because he's distant and cold. He doesn't believe in a trinity. He believes on world conquest. Uh, he, you know The gifts that he gives are supposedly always sensual and pleasurable. They're never spiritual. It, it's, the, it's not the God of love and peace. That's the God of the Bible. And it irks me when Christians say that Allah and Jehovah God are one and the same. They are totally different. And I would even go as far to say that Allah is Satan.
2: And, and isn't it scary, Nathan, that uh, isn't it true that the Muslims also have an eschatology?
1: That they do, that they do, and that's one that President Ahmadinejad is stressing, he and the mullahs, to get going. They want this 12th, now this is a particular, this, if Islam is divided into Shiites and Sunnis, and of course there's Sufis, but the primary groups, the Shiites and the, and the Sunnis, and the Shiites particularly believe that they want the 12th Imam to come back and lead the world. They also have a... Uh, the Dijal, which is supposed to be the Antichrist. They believe that Jesus will come back and he will burn all the crosses and he will kill all the pigs and he and Mohammed will will bring uh, Islam to the world and everybody will have to turn over to Islam and then Jesus will die. and it's, it's a very convoluted, if folks want to read about it, Dr. Reagan's written two good articles on our site at lambline.com that, that tries to delve into Islamic eschatology. And they believe that, that the world needs to be conquered for Allah. So, This naive view that, like you said, Hillary Clinton has, that we can talk to the Iranians, and we've been doing that for years, and we can make peace with them, doesn't make sense. Because you know what? They believe their Bible prophecy, or I should say their Quranic prophecy. They understand what the end goal is for them, and that is total subjugation of the world to Islam. And it's very naive if our politicians walk in and think we can peacefully talk with them, and they'll just back down. I mean, we're Christians. We believe in the Bible. We're not going to back down from our belief in the Bible. Well, they're not either. And it takes someone who has no belief or no faith in anything to believe that people of faith will just back down from what they believe. I'm sorry. I just...
0: No, that's great. No, that's I, grand. Thought, <laughs> I thought... Uh, that was, it, that it makes was... you
1: pull your hair sometimes because uh, <laughs> folks would just seem so, so deluded by, by the lack of faith and understanding the Bible. And, boy, what a world it would be
2: if we all understood Jesus' love and shared that. And, and yet, you know, if you had could have a conversation with Hillary Clinton about what you just said about Muslim eschatology, she would just dismiss it with a wave of her hand, and and wouldn't even consider that that it that it factors in.
1: No, and you got to wonder, she grew up in an apostate church.
2: Absolutely. So did Bill
1: Clinton. So did Barack Obama. They've never heard. The real gospel, and if they have, they rejected it. It, It's like Oprah growing up who believed that God was jealous of her. I mean, she totally misconstrued the verse that God's a jealous God. Yeah, of people competing with your love, not jealous of you. So people, they take these parts of the Bible, and they just don't get the real gospel. And you can see what apostasy does to the church. It ruins our understanding of how the world really works. And if you don't do what the world and how it really works, you end up with a mess. And the world is in a complete mess right now.
0: It certainly is, and, and even now liberal organizations are noting that Christians are under heavy persecution. It's it's strange to see that people in the mainstream are starting to see how pe- people treat Christians, and yet here we sit with the message of hope and the message of forgiveness and, uh, and a total peaceful message, and yet we are the bad guy and the object of many jokes. And you can go on TV and use the name Jesus Christ in a drug addict Derogatory term, and nobody blink bats an eye, but if you use a derogatory term to homosexuals, well you might lose your job.:
1: Oh, look at all this around Tim Tebow. I'm okay. The man prayer, prays in, for a game, and he puts John 316 on his face makeup, and the, everyone reacts like you know he's been chopping heads off at people. It, it, they go crazy over this, but you can have thousands of Muslims walk out in the middle of the street, block traffic and pray, and nobody bats an eye about it. And my wife says, well, how come the atheists aren't mad with the Muslims? How come? Well, you know, they all really technically work for the same guy. They all work for the ruler of this world, and right now the ruler of this world is Satan. They're just different compartments. So no wonder they all hate the Christians universally, because we're the only opposition to all these different groups. And Satan knows Bible prophecy, and that's what we love to point out, is Satan knows Bible prophecy in and out, because he knows he's going to lose in the end. And we're really seeing a ratcheting up against persecution against Christians, and And it's going to be awful in the tribulation. Praise the Lord. We believe in a pre-trib rapture that the church will be raptured before the tribulation. But during the tribulation, most people that come to faith in Christ will be martyred. That's what a world would be like if Satan was ruling it. And he would kill all the Christians.
0: Well, he's doing his best to do that now. And that, Jim, I tell you what, we talk about that so much, but that's an excellent point. Um, we are the, you know, the blessed hope that we get to go and 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 miss that tribulation period. We're not escape artists. We're not escapists or anything. It's just something that was promised to us. And so I, you know, I'm glad to be a part of that. But while we're on this earth, I'm sure glad we stick to our job and and keep doing what we need to do to to reach people in all kinds of different ways.
2: Well, absolutely, and, and we're seeing, though, the outlines of, of real tribulation and hardship in this country. And uh, that, that's an, another reason it's incumbent upon all of us to, to share the true gospel with anybody that we come in contact with uh, anywhere, anytime. Uh, and, and uh, you know, time is absolutely growing short. And well,
0: to,
2: go,
1: ahead. Sorry, go ahead.
0: No, go right ahead.
1: Oh, I was just interesting, the South Carolina primary brought up an interesting point, is that 143 well-known evangelical leaders got together, and they endorsed a particular candidate based on their faith. And this candidate, which you think in South Carolina, where 75% of the people say they're born-again evangelical-believing Christians, didn't vote for this guy. And it's kind of an idea that maybe the voice of Christianity and Christian leadership in America, like the religious right and how, was, how strong that was in the 80s, is no longer here today. Uh, just, we don't listen to our Christian leaders, we don't have faith in them like we used to, and they don't sw- sway the political vote anymore. And if we can't sway the political vote, and not saying that Christians need to be all involved in politics or anything, but we still need to, to make a stand for what's right. But if we can't have a voice like we used to, we're going to see all the laws that protect religious freedom, that protect Christianity, and it's, it's just going to fall away. And we'll see the same persecution that we're seeing somewhere else, into the world until we end up like a nation like China, where you have to register your church, and and if you say anything against them, they kill you. It's it's going that way, and Bible prophecy tells us that's what it will be like during the Tribulation.
0: Well, we've talked about that quite extensively on um, the presidential candidates in particular, because we look at it as a situation where we're not putting in a spiritual leader. Those days are gone. What we're doing is first and foremost, trying to get Barack Obama out of office, and we have preferences to who that might be um, because we'd like to see things turn around in this country, at least economically for the for the time being. Um, you guys gave Mitt Romney a pretty hard time, but I'll be honest with you, Nate, I would still take uh, him over Barack Obama every day of the week.
1: Yeah, we've got a lot of people write in about that, and, of course, you know, we don't endorse any particular candidate, but uh, both Dr. Reagan and myself have said, okay, you've got a humanist with Islamic sympathies who wants to social engineer the country, or you've got a Mormon who's faithful to family with uh, conservative values and will uh, has a real love for defending Israel. Hmm. You know, it's kind of a no-brainer. <laughs> I will vote for the guy. Who stands for most for what the country? That doesn't mean I like all that they believe and I don't support their faith. Uh, I don't think we're going to get a candidate who truly loves the Lord in the evangelical Christian definition, but it's, it's a secular position. It's not a religious position we have to remember. And God ordains secular people to do his will just like he does Christian people, and so the Lord could use it. And who knows? It might be, say, Romney wins. Romney's Mormon faith might be the first to quickly add uh, the post-rapture world, or the post-rapture United States, to join the one-world religion that will dominate the first three and a half years of the tribulation. So, as good as that might be, God's gonna—it's all gonna be part of God's plan.
0: It is all part of God's plan. That's an excellent point, uh, Jim. Do, do you hear? I mean, we we looked on—we look on sites where uh, Christians are just so unsure about Mitt Romney. But it seems like everybody says the same thing. Well, do I want him or the Muslim sympathizer? Because Mormons aren't running around the world blowing people up right now. <laughs>
2: Well, I absolutely. Uh, and, and Nathan really, uh, he and Dr. Reagan have a, a great way to define the, the current president—a humanist with Muslim sympathies. I think there's a there's a sinister element to this guy that will uh, that will grow exponentially if he gets a second term. And so, uh, you know, everybody, Bible believing Christians do have to make a decision in this election: uh, are, are they going to? you know, kind of sit on the sidelines and and, and be uh, uh, lukewarm about uh, uh, involvement in the voting process like they were with maybe John McCain? uh, Or are you going to try to make uh, Obama a one-term president? I think that uh, that is really mission critical right now. Yeah, We've got to
1: look at the bigger picture. I have people write in saying, well, I refuse to vote because they're not an evangelical Christian who believes this, this, and this. And we have to remind them that this is, a secular world with secular powers and we got to do the best we can to be the light and salt in the world and that sometimes means voting for someone who isn't a Christian but will make the world the best place it can be until the Lord's return and so I encourage every Christian out there they need to vote they need to get out there and they need to make a difference with the vote and wow you know we live in a country where you get a vote that matters that means something and we should use it the freedom that the Lord's given us
0: Amen. On that note, we are officially out of time. Thank you very much, Nathan Jones. Please visit lamblion.com. The link is on the website. Nathan, thank you much. We'll have you back on for sure. It's been a blessing. Thank you, gentlemen. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for tonight. Thank you for joining us. Jim, great show. I had a lot of fun with you, and we'll be back next week with more.
2: Absolutely. Take care.
0: All right. Good night, everybody. God bless. We'll see you next time. In the year.
1: And for of disease I'm killing